Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Peacock streaming the biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56, the 2022 Winter Olympics, and the Peacock Original Bel Air. Plus the new movie, Marry Me, in theaters and streaming Valentine's Day. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. NFL fans, nothing compares to being there live. What a play! Now the crowd is alive. And the NFL's biggest season ever is now ready for the postseason. It's playoff time. We got to win. NFL playoff tickets are on sale now. Don't miss your chance to be a part of the postseason action on the road to Super Bowl 56. Visit NFL.com slash tickets for a complete listing of games. That's NFL.com slash tickets. Lucy Liu opened up about what went down between her and Bill Murray on the Charlie's Angel set. Baby quote-unquote apologized for homophobic comments he made about people living with HIV. And BuzzFeed contributor Fancy Feast talks about what it's really like to be a phone sex operator and how it got her through lockdown. It's July 28th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shiloh Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. I mean, Shyla, after yesterday finding out about Simone Biles, I think we knew we were going to get some idiot comments, and we did, uh, which is pretty rich coming from a bunch of people who've probably never done gymnastics ever. Oh, yeah. I can barely walk in a straight line without injuring myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? There has been, like, obviously so much support for her. One of them was this tweet from Michelle Obama that read, am I good enough? Yes, I am. The mantra I practice daily. Simone Biles, we are proud of you and we are rooting for you. Congratulations on the silver medal, Team USA. That's just so wholesome. I feel like we, I don't know, the internet is garbage sometimes, but stuff like that really makes it better. Mm -hmm, Truly. All right. So moving on to something that I don't love. Uh, (laughs) For those of you who do love Charlie's Angels, me, probably Shyla, right, Shyla? There we go. (laughs) Lucy Liu shared some details about some onset drama between her and her former co-star, Bill Murray. While Lucy wouldn't reveal specifically what Bill said to her, she told the podcast Asian enough that, quote, it was unjust and it was uncalled for and that, quote, some of the language was inexcusable and unacceptable. As for how she responded, Lucy said this. So, yes, I stood up for myself and I don't regret it because no matter how low on the totem pole you may be or wherever you came from, there's no need to condescend or to put other people down. Yeah, Shayla, I don't want to make you have a heart attack right now, but that movie did come out 21 years ago. Um, Why would you even say that? I know. I knew that was going to upset you. Um, The point I'm trying to make here is that right now we're just, honestly, the past couple of years, it's just starting to really 
come out how toxic Hollywood is. And we've known this for forever, but like we're still struggling to get to that point where we get that toxicity out. I mean, I think we're really far away from it. So the fact that Lucy Liu, a woman of color, was able to stand up to an established white comedian in the year 2000 on set. Oh, wow. That's impressive. I mean, just another reason for me to be obsessed with her. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so in other very upsetting news, DeBaby has apologized for a number of insensitive anti-gay comments, including several targeting those with HIV and AIDS, that he made at a music festival over the weekend. He was called out not only by fans, but fellow celebrities, including Jonathan Van Ness, who has opened up in the past about living with HIV, as well as Elton John. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things where it's like, DeBaby said, like, absolutely horrible things that we're not going to repeat on this show that were just wrong and horrible and i really liked what elton john said he said in america a gay black man has a 50 percent lifetime chance of contracting hiv stigma and shame around hiv and homosexuality is a huge driver of this vulnerability we need to break down the myths and judgments and not fuel these i mean that's what it's like the baby is actively hurting the community Yeah. And so he addressed the backlash on Instagram, claiming his words were, quote, twisted and essentially saying his gay fans were too classy to have AIDS like, quote, junkies on the street, which I I can't even I just I can't even wrap my mind around someone saying this, like especially in 2021, but just like at all. I'm sorry. I need everyone to know this was his attempt at a first apology that what he said out loud was his attempt at an apology. Yeah. And I mean, he ultimately apologized, I guess, you know, attempted to make it a little bit better on Twitter saying he didn't intend to offend anyone. But I don't know. It's just it's not going to be enough. Um, I know that fans were calling for uh, Dua Lipa, who has the song Levitating with him to sort of like remove like that song from her catalog, I guess. And she actually gave a statement and she said, I'm surprised and horrified at DeBaby's comments. I really don't recognize this as the person I worked with. I know my fans know where my heart lies and that I stand 100% with the LGBTQ community. We need to come together to fight the stigma and ignorance around HIV AIDS. Yeah, I mean, this isn't one of those things where you can just ignore and be like, oh, no, I know him. He's not this guy. And I'm like, no, he said all these things. He's that guy. Yeah, he even doubled down on it. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. So moving on, if the popularity of OnlyFans says anything, the adult online industry has become a popular way for creators to make their own content and support themselves financially during the pandemic. But for writer and burlesque performer Fancy Feast, working as a phone sex operator was more than just a second job to make ends meet. It became an escape that revived her spirit and relieved her anxiety. Faced with the reality of being an out-of-work showgirl, she found an old-fashioned little corner of the internet as the ultimate coping mechanism, and joins us now to tell us all about it, which she recently wrote about in a piece for BuzzFeed News. Hi, Fancy Fees. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. So first, can you describe, you know, sort of the overall circumstances that led you to ultimately take on this job as a phone sex operator? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, prior to the pandemic, I had been working in nightlife for a decade. And when the shutdown was announced overnight, I lost a third of my income. So yeah, (laughs) the other two thirds of my income are what I make from being a therapist and working in mental health. So I wanted to fill in that gap. And my options were to take on more therapy clients, which I was like above my sort of maximum caseload. And it was, you know, a uh, 
never ending mental health crisis. So that was for burnout sake. I didn't want to take on more of that work. So I had to seek work outside of that. Now, on top of that, I've worked in the sex industry for a really long time, um, over a decade in various segments of it. So it's, it's where I'm most comfortable. Like I've spent more time working in the sex industry than working in mental health. So it's a piece of, of me and of my, my work identity. That's really important to me. So when that was gone, I was like, I need to return to this in a way that might feel actually more normalizing to me in a very surreal time. You know, so what's your sense of what the people on the other end are getting out of phone sex, especially during the pandemic? What's driving them to call and talk to someone specifically now? There's no real way to generalize across the board about callers other than to say that most of them want to get off. Some people are are lonely and seeking connection, and that also predates the pandemic. Like People have been lonely, you know. Um, Some people have certain fantasies that they want to explore in a way that's not possible through other means. Maybe they have a niche fetish and there's not porn made of it or something like that. Um, Some people want to confess something to somebody who's really far outside of their own life, who's not going, who doesn't know them, who's not going to judge them. And some people are looking for an outlet to project hurt, rage, fear, you know, so it really, it really depends on the person. I think what changed more than what people were seeking was the fact that we were all stuck at home or not all, but like a lot more people were. Right. And we can't go out, but we all have phones. Exactly. So I know you said you can't generalize, but were there any trends or types of callers you specifically ran into or what kinds of scenarios were people wanting to create for them? So that has to do a lot more with how I marketed myself rather than um, sort of like who's out there. Uh, so to whatever extent I was able to like select my segment of the market, I was really interested in niche fetish work uh, in particular in sort of a uh, elaborate role plays, uh, you know, like I play Dungeons and Dragons. I have have worked as a sex educator as well. So I, I talk about sex all day and have for many years. So it's really hard to shock me. And I feel like I'm good at spinning out elaborate scenarios and that, that that's really interesting to me. So that's a lot of talent from D and D. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just, I'm so curious. Was that like improv or did you like have a script? Oh, uh, it's all improv. Yeah. I like, um, wow. I did long form in college. I, uh, <laughs> I was an intern at the UCB. Like these are, <laughs> and, and actually like that has been the most useful training of my life, including being a therapist, like improv training has been good for every subsequent thing I've experienced. So I want to touch on, you said that you're a therapist, um, during the day. So what's it like balancing those two jobs during such a surreal time? It's a lot of time on the phone or on the computer, but, um, and it's a lot of time negotiating boundaries and making sure that I am, you know, there's the the phrase, like you can't pour from an empty jug. Like you have to make sure that, that I'm taking care of my own basic needs and my own, um, mental health before being able to provide anything for other people. So it's more just like how many hours a day do I feel like being in, persona or in, in a sort of like work mode, whether that's one or the other. Um, and so for me, because there was no, no nightlife, like weekends didn't mean anything. So that meant that I I didn't have to do both jobs in the same day if I didn't choose to. And all of that really is, um, it's a super lucky thing for me. So I think you touched on this a little bit, but do the jobs have any similarities? Um, I mean, can, does one skill set inform the other at all? I mean, I am, I am myself. And so I think 
there's, there's a lot of me that translates regardless of what role I'm finding myself in, but I just want to make sure that those, the roles of mine are not like conflated in the, in the minds and hearts of the listeners, <laughs> because, uh, although sex work can be therapeutic to some people, it can be healing to some people. It is not the same as therapy. Um, there are very different goals, very different roles, um, and perceived very differently by society. So like whatever similarities I found personally, I don't really feel like bringing them to the forefront because I want to make sure that those uh, roles are really delineated for people. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, this is a job that's not for everyone, but it's something that you ended up being perfectly cut out for. In your experience, what kind of person does it take to have this career? I can talk about the traits that helped me. So like years of asserting and enforcing my boundaries, talking about sex with strangers and performing using a persona like All of that has been really transferable across my life. But the reason that I included that section is because although I found meaning in the work that I was doing, I just want to make sure that there isn't like a blanket empowerment narrative applied to it. Because I think that can be a trap that a lot of my jobs, I've had people telling me like, oh, your work is so fun. Oh, it's so easy, empowering, feminist, girl boss. I could do it. Uh, And I think now is really not the time to be saying that around sex work. This has been such a miserable stabilizing couple of years for sex workers due to regressive legislation and criminalization. So I included that piece, like it's not for everybody because, you know, people are doing this from a range of coercion, circumstance, or choice. And I'm not trying to sell anybody on anything or pretend that my experience is representative of anything other than my own life. Well, we'll be right back. We've got more on what it's like working in the sex industry during a global pandemic. It. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hi, I'm Robert Sex Reese, host of the Dr. Sex Reese Show. And every episode, I listen to people talk about their sex and intimacy issues. And yes, I despise every minute of it. I yeah. mean, she, she made mistakes too, right? That's I mean, true. She, she did she, kill everyone at her wedding. But hell is real. We're all trapped here. And there's nothing any of us can do about it. So join me, won't you? Listen to the Dr. Sex Reese Show every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but my podcast, Checking It, has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in the category of Outstanding Lifestyle and Self-Help Podcast. I'm grateful for the nomination. I, I almost didn't even do a podcast because I was just wondering, there are thousands of podcasts out there and why is my voice needed? But a nomination from the NAACP lets me know that um, I made the right choice. And I encourage you to do, don't worry if there are thousands of something out that you want to do. No, Nobody has your sauce. So listen, you can still vote. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 5th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please listen to my podcast. We're a part of the Black Effect Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for checking in.
welcome back. We're talking with BuzzFeed contributor Fancy Feast about how working as a phone sex operator saved her during the pandemic. So can you talk about how this nightly escape, so to speak, helped you yourself cope during the pandemic? Absolutely. So in the weeks and early months of the pandemic, I cooked basically from the time that I was done with sessions until the time that I was ready to go to bed, that like, I was just like, if I keep feeding the people around me, they won't die. And I realized that one of my coping strategies is to be useful in a situation, especially a crisis. So I function better when I have a sense of of purpose. And I also did personally spend a lot of the pandemic dissociated or depersonalized. I mean, it's been a really challenging, I was like, I don't want to be in my own head. So I was really seeking input from any other source that was not me, like not my own brain. And so it gave me, for better or for worse, an, an excuse, a reason to avoid being myself or taking care of my own shit. So it's, it worked for me. It's not always the healthiest way to cope, but it did really carry me through some of the worst parts of the pandemic so far. You know, the online adult entertainment industry is booming as a result of the pandemic, you know, with so many opportunities to quote unquote escape in this day and age. Why do you think phone sex is seeing such demand in an era of OnlyFans? I think there's always demand and there's always been demand. So I guess I was the one who was just like laboring under a false assumption because I was like, you know, people are socially, uh, I don't know, like get uncomfortable ordering a pizza on the phone nowadays. <laughs> yeah, <that's me>. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and me too. Um, but a lot of the people who use the service that I use, I've been using it for like upwards of 20 years. So in some ways it does cater to a demographic that's comfortable speaking on the phone. And that sometimes means like an older demographic, but different, there are different user interfaces that are going to appeal to different segments of the population. But demand I think is always going to be there. And it's interesting to call this the era of OnlyFans actually, because I don't know if you saw that last month they announced that they're trying to move away from adult content because they're seeking investment from venture capitalists and right, gotcha. Which, and there's like, I know, right. So there's such a history of (laughs) platforms making their money from sex workers and their labor and then deplatforming them and displacing the people who made their site popular. So, you know, watch this space. Very curious to see what happens with OnlyFans in the coming months. Yeah, that's so frustrating. Now that we're beginning to sort of come out of the pandemic, how do you see the next phase playing out for you? Do you see this job continuing to work for you or was it just the pandemic that made it work? I think so nightlife has started to come back a little bit um, for, and some of the venues that had booked me prior are booking me again. So it means that there are now I have more demands on my time. And so I'm keeping with this for now because it's work that makes sense for me. It's work that makes me money that I would like to have, you know, so, so all of that is great. I'm not sure if, if that's going to toggle. Uh, I think mostly as like I'm becoming more able to have a social life again. I think I'm just going to be perhaps spending less time do it, doing it, but who knows? It remains to be seen. Yeah. It all depends on mental health. The pandemic's changing everything. So yes. <laughs> taking it day by day. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, again, it's been a very difficult time for the workforce overall, sex workers very much included. You managed to make things work, but for those experiencing tough times right now, are there extra means of support for those in the sex industry? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the most important thing is that regardless of the type of work that somebody does or how they feel about it, everyone is entitled to better, safer working conditions and living wages. So that means that 
for, for people who are like wanting to get involved, like wanting to give, giving your money to sex workers directly is great. Whether that means, you know, supporting somebody's content, paying for your porn, um, tipping really well. You can also donate to sex worker led organizations and funds. So I really, I recommend Lysistrata, which is an online mutual aid network and activist co-op. So Lysistrata, L-I-S-I-S-T-R-A-T-A-M-C-C-F.org. Kips DC, which is a harm reduction and advocacy organization in my hometown of DC. And they provide direct services to sex working communities. So that's at hips, H-I-P-S.org. And the third wave funds Sex Worker Giving Circle which it brings together a cohort of current and former sex workers to decide how to collectively distribute funds and to relevant projects and organizations. So I think it's really important to not be listening to the Ashton Kutchers of the world and people who are speaking over sex working communities, but to listen to people who have that lived experience and um, to sort of supporting them and their goals. Um, and I would also recommend, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can hear the social worker coming out. Um, so <laughs> I would recommend that people uh, learn more about the detrimental effects of SESTA-FOSTA legislation. Uh, That is something that is impacting everybody uh, and how we use the internet, but sex workers especially, and also support efforts that work towards the decriminalization of sex work. Mm. Well, Fancy Feast, seriously, thank you so much for coming on today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, Simone Biles doesn't owe you shit. Yeah. Now, be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. After 30 years, it's time to return to the halls of West Beverly High and hang out at the Peach Pit on the podcast 90210OMG. Visit Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling for a rewatch of the hit series Beverly Hills 90210 from the very beginning. We get to tell the fans all of the behind the scenes stories that actually happened. So they know what happened on camera, obviously, but we can tell them all the good stuff that happened off camera. Listen to 90210OMG on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, what's up? This is Robin Dixon, co-host of Reasonably Shady, which has just been nominated for an NAACP Image Award in the Outstanding Arts and Entertainment Podcast category. This is so big for Giselle and I. And of course, we must thank all of our fantastic listeners. But we need your help. Visit vote.naacpimageawards.net to vote for Reasonably Shady. That's vote.naacpimageawards.net. But don't wait. Voting closes on February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to listen to Reasonably Shady every single Monday on the Black Effect Podcast Network.